alone are king. You alone are sovereign. And so, Lord, I ask that um, just supernaturally that I would sit down and that you would stand up, Father, that you would be glorified in, in this time. Um, and just like that uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes um, creed that we just read part of, Lord, that it is um, for your glory and for your honor and, and for no other reason, Father God. And, the, and I would just ask that each one of us in here just take a moment, ask God to prepare our hearts, that you'd be willing to receive a word that will change your lives and impact those around you. And so, Lord, we're ready. We ask your presence to come mightily and in a huge way and impact our lives. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're there to change your mind, thoughts, and emotions, which I thought I was in that session earlier, but it was right on. I mean, Vicky's right on. It is so much about our mind because it's not more knowledge. I mean, we don't need more knowledge. We just need to start doing it. You know, and the only way we're going to start doing it is to start changing our behavior. So, but just like Vicky, I want to um, tell you a little bit myself. Tess, go ahead and switch over to the next slide. So this is me in um, November of 04 and 05. Um, November of 04, May of 05. And the one on the right, I tell my friends, is that the, it's the left. The one on the left, I th- and they're my dearest friends. We go on vacation together. I spend Christmas night at their, I mean, Christmas Eve at their house. I mean, it is, they're my best friends. And she's pregnant, and she kills me because I use this photo. She's runs half marathons now, but... But I tell her, you know, fat friends, our friends don't let fat friends wear polka dot. I mean, I mean, I'm like, I go over and I'm like, please, help me. What happened here? I mean, why did you not work with me on that? And so, but then this is about, right about a year later is the next slide. Um, and in November of 05, in October of 05, um, I got to about where I am. And I'm, I'm about one, I, you know, it's just a number, right, girls, guys? It's just a number. And I weigh 172. And I wear anywhere, you know, a really expensive 10 and a really cheap 14. It's about the way. Can I get an amen on that? Is that not the truth? Then there's expensive clothes and you get a 10. It's just a number. But think about, I mean, this blew me away when, when Joyce said how much she had lost. I'm a Joyce. I'm how much Joyce lost. She lost Becky. It's what she lost. And um, good night. It's no wonder our lives are a mess when we start looking at that. People come up and people come and say, I lost, you know, 40 pounds. You know, I've only lost 40 pounds. You know, I'm like, the third grader. I mean, you know? And so I mean, let's talk about this here. You lost an entire third grader. I mean, so we need to, again, change our mind about what that is and that um, we are, you know, if you're not going forward, I mean, if you're not going backwards, then you're going forward because there's no stagnation. There's no stopping in the middle. And we need to be encouraged in that. Single, I've never been married. I live an amazingly wonderful life. Um, would love to be married, but I have a... I crack... Has Carol come in yet? She said she was going to come in here, but she's probably talking. But she... We were talking with somebody yesterday, and, and I kind of have some some standards I like, you know, for the husband that, that the Lord would have for me, you know. And, and Carol said, oh, yeah, her standards are so high. I said, the last two guys I dated were convicted felons. I mean, come on. I mean, how high can they be? I mean... <laughs> And then somebody said, um, well, at least you like, didn't run math. And I'm like, well. <laughs> but anyways, another story. I, but I have a great life. I'm involved in an amazing ministry called Lifehouse. And we have the opportunity to take pregnant teens and young women into our homes and allow them to live with us and model family and not enable um, their lives and um, have a healthy pregnancy and a plan for the future. 
and along the way through Christ. And so we share the gospel and we very rarely use words. And we see lots of salvations um, and rededications. And it's an amazing thing. And I don't, you know, I have no desire to live in the house. And that really makes me a good executive director. Um, because I have to hire a great staff that has the mercy and the love and the compassion. I'm like, just duct tape them to the chair, and in nine months, you know, we're done. What's the problem at that point, right? I'll feed you three squares, let you go to the bathroom twice a day, you know? So, so they don't let me go to the house very often. So, um, so that's what I get to do. I live in Houston. I lived there for four years. Um, my, you know, I miss it, uh, Atlanta, and that's where I was before I came there. Um, but. And I would get on a plane in a heartbeat, but all my friends would ship me back because I'm exactly where the Lord would have me to be. And I'm so honored to come and be a part of this, honored to call Carol Lewis my friend. We have great fun times together. And um, April can tell stories. April's driven the four of us around from Houston and Charleston the past 24 hours. And well, we crying. We were crying. We were laughing so hard we were crying in the car yesterday. So we are. We just put our pants on one leg at a time, and sometimes not even that. So. Um, uh, but I'm honored to be here. I'm glad to be here. And it wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have moved to Houston. And so I'm thankful for that. So what I want to talk to you today is about what is a funk. And what do you do when you're in a funk? I mean, is everybody, I mean, I mean, a funk, okay? Come on. We know what a funk is. So here we go. Here's the, here's the Webster Dictionary. I thought, let's look it up and see what a funk is. This is it. It's a state of cowardly fright, a panic, a state of severe depression. You know, because for me often, when I get in a funk, I can't even begin to tell you how in the world I got into that funk. I just got there. And I think if you know how you got there, then it's not quite so much a funk. It's some like, and you probably need counseling to kind of work through that. You know, because you could be in a kind, you could be having the same experiences, the same emotions, the same stuff going on around you. But there's really circumstances that are causing that. I mean, there's, whether you're grieving through the loss of a, of a, of a loved one, um, whether you're, you know, in financial struggles right now, I mean, just, you know, Vicky, we, you know, being, I had two great, fantastic weeks on holiday and then coming back to the real world and working. I mean, you know, so we have those, we know those. To me, a funk is when you just don't know. You know, you got up, you had a killer quiet time and, and all was great and then, I don't know, you looked in the mirror funny, or, you know, you got a phone call that was just a little off, or someone didn't say exactly what you thought they would say, so then you wonder, does she really like me, or have I hurt her feel, you know, and then we just, all of a sudden, we were under a funk. Does that make sense? I'm sorry, guys. I mean, the guys that are in here, Oscar and these other guys, I mean, you guys might not experience a funk, but this will help you minister to your wives. This is the wives over here saying, yeah, he's in a funk. So, okay, well, good. I'm glad to know there are male funks as well as female funks as well. So here we go, next slide, Tess. How do we get there? I mean, call out, how are some ways that, that, like we, that we talked about, how are some ways that maybe you think you get into a funk? Negative self-talking, isn't that one good? Yeah, that, that will do it too, but it's just a number. But anyway, so yes, it will do it. It'll get you in the funk, and then you've got to fight to get into the funk, and you know, self-talk. Somebody right over here. Yeah, it's all about me. You know, what's in it for me? Nothing. I mean, that's about it, you know. And um, I think that another one is, for me, I play conversations over in my head all the time. I have a staff of six people. And so, you know, sometimes I have to correct and sometimes I have to encourage and things like that. And so I play, or they do something and I, I get furious 
because I know they did it because, you know, they just want to, you know, and I play this whole conversation over in my mind with them, and again, 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 and then I'm in a funk, and so, but here's the key, it doesn't really matter how we got into the funk. It really doesn't, because if it's a funk, it's just something that's happened that shouldn't really, and we don't need to fix anything, does that make sense? I mean, we're just in the funk, and so don't get all caught up. Don't think that you've got to fix what caused you to get in the funk to get out of the funk. Does that make sense? Okay. I mean, if if what's going on and, you know, life and circumstances and all that stuff gets you in the funk, you know what? Life and circumstances is going to happen. And so it's important to recognize them because if, it is a, if this is an ongoing cycle that we're on, then, okay, we need to recognize that, you know, every time we do get on the scale, you know, whatever, be prepared have recognition, you know, you can avoid it next time. But really the heart of it is because, you know what, there's always going to be something that could cause us to get into a funk. Because we live in a fallen world. Turn the TV on. Drive down the street. Hey, you guys know in Mississippi, you guys were damaged with both Katrina as well as with um, Ike. And, I mean, I drive Houston still. I mean, four months after the thing, we still got lots of blue tarps out on the roof. I mean, we, we got plenty of reasons to be depressed. And so we can always have reasons, so we just need to realize, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get out of this funk anyways. And then it's amazing. All of a sudden, our circumstances start changing. I mean, the Lord likes us to, you know, he wants us to put that foot in the red, in the water. You know, that's what they did with Joshua and the priests. They had to put their feet into the water, had to be wet up to their ankles in this high, at this flood level, up to, up to their knees in some places. And then the water started to part. And we want to, like, go ahead and part the water, and then we'll see if it's dry ground, and then you go first. I'm not going to go. I mean, <laughs> get in the water. So, Okay, so here, this is great. This is the fun part. What are, we not to, what, are, what are we not to do when we're in a funk? Okay, number one, don't make any major life decisions. Okay, if you're in a funk, don't, like, decide to sell your house, divorce your spouse, or, you know, change your job. Okay, just recognize you're in a funk, so don't do that. Okay, the second thing is don't ever say to your spouse, can we talk? You know, don't, don't have that talk about that one thing that's driving you up the wall that every day we're doing it. Don't do it when you're in a funk, okay? Number three, don't drive in traffic. <laughs> Especially if you have like a Christian, you know, like an isthmus or something on the back of your bumper, you know, Jesus loves you, you know. Follow me to Christ's Baptist Church. I mean, no, don't do that. And then finally, don't eat. Don't eat when you're in a funk. Um, Oprah, and I probably disagree with probably about 70% of the things that she has on her show, and um, just a little side note, and I think this is so amazing, my Sunday school class were, te- were studying the book of Ruth. And in the book of Ruth, you know the story, Naomi is the mother-in-law of Ruth and Orpah. And Ruth and Orpah um, at first began the journey with Naomi to return to the promised land and Naomi finally said, look, go back home. I can't produce you sons to marry. And um, Ruth clung to her and Orpah went back to the pagan lands and Ruth became in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And Orpah, we, we don't know what happened to Orpah, but chances are she went back to the pagan and the foreign lands and that's where she stayed. Oprah was named, was supposed to be named Orpah but her mom spelled it wrong on the birth certificate, so she became Oprah. Uh, Oprah uh, what am I saying? Thank you. And I think how interesting that is. We can just be one letter off. One letter off. And then, you know, all of a sudden we're down the road, and then we're all of a sudden we're back in the pagan land. 
And I think that was really interesting as I thought about that. It has nothing to do with getting in the inner out of the funk. And it's just free. That was free. <laughs> but it does, this does have something to do. O Oprah this week has been talking about the best you now or, you know, well, that's, that's Joel Osteen. So I don't know, whatever the, whatever the thing was this week was her. And on Monday she talked about weight loss and she confessed the beginning of February of 07, just the opposite of Cynthia, February of 07 was her, the opposite way. February of 07, Oprah started eating again, and she's gained like 40 of the 60 pounds that she had lost back again. And she said in this video, and I would really encourage you to get in. I almost was going to try and figure out how to play it, but it just became too much work. But um, it's about three minutes, and she talks in there about how her life um, had just gotten out of balance. And she says in this, and these are the words that she uses, she says, I, if, if I'm getting fat, it's not because of what I'm eating. And I want to say, girl, it is because of what you're eating. She said, no. <laughs> I mean, it's not because of where you're sleeping. I mean, you know, what's creating is making you fat. She said, my life is out of balance. If I'm overeating, it's because my life is out of balance. And she no longer became priority in her life. And even though here she was, with, I'm thinking if I was that rich, I'd be skinny. I mean, I'm just thinking something would work with that, right? And, um, but she said that she would just have all these meetings and she would say, yes, 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 from 6.30 till 8.30 at night, and 6.30 in the morning till 8.30 at night, and she would never take time for herself, and so, so they really have, but it's balance. And that, I thought it just trained in me, so it's a really great about how uh, we will emotionally eat. We absolutely 100% will emotionally eat. And when we get in a funk, that sometimes we think is going to make it better, and it never does, it always makes it worse. Always makes it worse. Worse. And I think this is a really key thing the Lord spoke to me, and this is one of the reasons why my, my pain, what caused me to change, was that if we choose to fulfill, if we choose to meet a spiritual or emotional need with a physical satisfaction, it's sin. You know, I'm a prophet, and, I mean, we've had great testimonies, but I love Cynthia's testimony. Why? Because she called it sin. And for me, that's what it came down to. It's sin. Our body, I mean, it's, I mean, it's sin. And when, we, when I am bored, because I eat because I'm bored, I'm bored and I eat, that's sin. Because there's other ways the Lord's provided for us to be, you know, entertained. You know, if I'm sad and I eat, I mean, you know, it's just, it's, grab a hold of that. And for me, it came down to the point, I remember, I just was like crying out, Lord, help me with my weight. And he said, you got to help me out a little bit. You know, you got to push back. And you know, I was talking to Mr. Schnee just a minute ago, and it was, you know, push back, push him back, way back, push him back, push him back, way back. I mean, you know, you got to push away from the table and exercise more. I mean, and, and, I, and, he, and then he said this to me. He said, Beck, do you want to be a 8, 10, 12? Because you want to be cute, or do you want to be an eight, ten, twelve? Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, can I have both? <laughs> and he said, nope. You got to choose what's your heart, what's your heart motivation. And you get well if you choose if you choose God, you get it all. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so I got cute, and I got you know size ten. You know, so, um, but my heart changes because my body's simple of the Holy Spirit, and that is the only, I mean, that's it. I mean, you know, so that's the only way that I will be faithful, and I love what, what she had to say. So what do we do when we're in a funk? So let's pop up, I think it's Psalm 138. I have lots of verses for you guys. I've got them all on the screen, um, because, as <laughs> I said to Carol, you know, as cute as I am, it doesn't really matter what I say, and Carol said, you're not always going to be so cute. I said, even more, I need to have the Word of God, you know? 
So this is what I think you need to do when you're in a funk. This is David. He says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart before the gods. I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple, and I give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me, my strength of soul, you increase. And so those are the, the, the seven things we're coming up with. And you don't have to fill them all in now. I'm going to give you the blanks. Don't freak out. I'm choleric. So I like all my blanks filled in. I'll make sure you get another. But we're going to give thanks. We're going to bow down. Remember his thanksfulness, his steadfastness, his faithfulness, and his name and his word. Go on to the next one. So number one, we need to give thanks. Um, Carol's written a lot of wonderful books, and this is not a, you know, it's a plug, but she didn't like ask me to do this. You know, um, her Thankful Heart, I mean, Thankful Heart book is a great little book that is just worthy of just having. Because sometimes we forget how to give thanks, and we forget sometimes even what we have to be thankful for, and keeping a thankful journal is real critical about that. Great little book. But so I'm going to give you three things that we can do. Number one, is we can give thanks for our salvation. You know, if that's all he did for us, he'd be worthy of giving thanks. Um, Tess, go ahead to the next one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I, of whom shall I be afraid? He's my light and my salvation. Psalm 27, 1, that is one of those, I mean, that's like your 357 Magnum. I mean, that's every... Arsenal should have a 357 Magnum in, you know, your gun. That's it. Because you can pull that out. Who am I afraid? You know, people say, you know, you, Cynthia's out there walking and the husband's like, put a disguise on. Who am I going to be afraid of? What are they going to do? Talk bad about me? They talk bad about me because I'm fat? They might as well talk bad about me because I'm doing something good? Because they're going to talk bad about you. So he's the stronghold of our life. And I don't need to be afraid. Because he's my salvation. He's my protection. Hey, we don't know what 09 is going to hold. But we know who holds 09. And there is no reason for us to be afraid. I have never seen the righteous begging for bread. That's what the Bible says. I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. There is, that is not a problem. Little green pieces of paper are not issues for God. Not issues for God. He's got issues with steward people, stewardship and people, but little green paper is not a problem for him. So number one, we need to give thanks for our salvation. So just that. You know, you're in a funk and you're just like, man... Lord, thanks for my salvation. Number two, you can give thanks for the soon-coming king. I mean, I can remember when I first came to know Christ and, and about 15 years ago, 16 years ago this August, and I thought, I mean, my life was a wreck. I mean, I was a train wreck and it had happened. I mean, it wasn't about it. It happened. And my life was a wreck. And, but I was believing the Lord and I'm going to walk in this thing. And, and people would say, well, how are you doing? I'm like, well, Jesus is coming. I mean, that was it. But Jesus is coming, and praise the Lord, he is. What's this, this, I am coming soon. He's coming soon. Jesus is saying this to us. Hold fast what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. Hold fast. We're in a battle. We're in a war. Don't lose ground. Don't lose effort. Hold fast. And so we can give thanks to the soon coming king. You know, number one, for our salvation. Number two, we can give thanks. I mean, just those two things. I'm already, I went in a funk now. I'm like, I'm out of it, you know? I mean, you know. I mean, that can get you out of a funk just that fast, just remembering those things. Okay, number three, we need to give thanks for our five senses. I do a, I do a strength training class. I don't teach it. I go to it. I mean, he kicks our butt. And I'm telling you, he makes us do these push-ups. And, I, I mean, I'm heartened at the end. And, um, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I can walk. That I have physical touch that someone can come up and hug me. When I was, I was at Vicky's, I think, 
the week after Christmas at Vicky's house with her kids, and we watched, um, I had never watched the X-Men, which is this comic book hero kind of thing. Anyways, one of these real, her issues, her superhero, which no one could touch her because if she was he, touched, she would suck the life out of them. <laughs> Do you have friends like that? <laughs> But imagine not having physical touch. Imagine not being able to speak. I'm thinking pretty much most of us in here can see. We might have a little LASIK or some glasses to help on that, but we can see. We can see color. You know, that we can hear. That we can smell, that we can taste. We can breathe and we can have our being. You got out of bed, that's enough reason to get out of the funk. You know? And, and, and that's hard. I know that sometimes it's hard, but man, I'm just going to keep doing this. Getting out of the funk might take every minute of every single day for a week for you to get out of it, and that's okay. When I got to about 21 steps here, it ain't going to happen in, you know, overnight. That's okay. But if you, if you just, we got to give thanks. Number two, bow down. Number two, Psalm 138, it said, I bow down towards your holy temple. We need to bow down. We need to humble ourselves. James 4, 6 7 says, but it gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee with you. I mean, this is like, I mean, I could, Brother Oscar, could we preach on this for like, we could have a six-week sermon lesson on this with the title of How to Beat the Enemy, you know, and to be a big man. I mean, we could just do that. I mean, there's such good stuff in this. But for us, what we want to talk about is humbling ourselves before the Lord. Um, I have a real pride issue. And um, humbling yourself is, um, it doesn't come natural for me. Um, imagine that. I know that's hard for you guys to imagine. And, um, and so what the Lord has me do is he has me pick up trash. Because it says that he says he gives grace to the humbler. And um, another scripture in, in Second Peter, or 1 Peter over there, somewhere over there, in one of the epistles from Peter, it says, um, humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord, and in due time he will exalt you and lift you up. And so for me to do that, what I have to do is I have to pick up trash. And if I see a piece of paper on the ground, I pick it up. And I take it to the trash can. And if I walk in, and people are like, how can you do that? I'm like, you know, we have Purell. I mean, you know, we can wash our hands after we do this, you know. And it's more important for me to humble myself than it is to necessarily have clean hands. And if I'm doing the things of the Lord, it's amazing how he'll protect you. Psalm 91 does work. You know, and so, you know, like I walk into a bathroom and I see that the paper towels are like all overflowing and all that stuff. And so this is how the old me would have done. Well, they have, you know, a cleaning service that does take care of that. Why should I do that? And she's like, well, just bless them and do it. Bless the cleaning people. You know, don't take care of yourself more highly than them. Some of yourself. So Carol's involved in my trash ministry now, and she now, I mean... <laughs> We walk outside sometimes to cool down afterwards, and I'm not there, and she calls. She said, I had two bags of trash. I wish she should have been here, because now she's got to do it. She can't get past it. And it's so funny. The Lord will just, I mean, I'll walk past it. I'm like, do I have to get it? I'm like, and so I'm five steps past it, and it's like, I'm going back, getting it up, you know, doing whatever it is with it. So we need to humble ourselves. The second thing is we need to recognize who he is. We have got to recognize who God is. I'm sorry? Oh, yeah, we, yeah. That's always good when we get, we pick up around the church and then we have like stuff that's, you know, some things we didn't pick up. You did pick up that diaper though that we weren't going to pick up. You remember that? We walked past it one time and, and it was like, we are not picking that up. I am not picking that up. 
and come back around. We gotta pick that up. <laughs> we don't wanna leave that for Ricky to pick it up. We gotta pick it up. Recognize who he is. He is the king of kings. He flung the stars into the existence with his fingertips. He is the Lord of Lords. I mean, praise God that we can go into his presence. I mean, what an amazing thing. But the reverence, that, and that is flat out fear of God. We miss that so much. Let me tell you, and I can, I don't, it's not my time to testify on this, but I can testify. He flat took me to the woodshed, wore me out, literally to the point, I'm, I'm, I am testifying, literally to the point of afflicting me with headaches. Because I was heading towards sin, and I said, I mean, I said, Lord, you know, because James says, confess your sins one to another, I mean, confess your sins to the elders, and, you know, he who's sick will be healed. And so, I don't always run that way. I mean, if I'm sick, the first place I'm going to look is sin. I don't, I'm not saying that sin, does that make sense? I don't want to, like, don't get all caught up in that. I'm going to check out that first, and it might be, no, Beck, you just haven't slept more than three hours in the past seven days, and your body's run down, and you got a cold. I mean, you know, there's no sin in your life, you know, and I don't think it's just because you have cancer, you don't have enough faith. But I'm going to check that out first. And so I said, okay, well, i got these headaches. What's going on with that? I mean, he so told me immediately what I needed, what I was heading toward, and to fix it right. And I got it right. Humbled myself, repented. It was not pretty. It was an awful month or so going through that. And I asked the Lord, I said, um, he said to me, I would have killed you. I would not have allowed you to go into that sin. I would have brought you home to me. Because you got too much riding on your shoulder. You know, Beck, you got a big mouth, and you've established yourself out there. And I was attending a church in Georgia at that point. You got that. I was working in a ministry. I, my, I got too much riding on you. I'm like, you got stuff riding on me. Help me. You know, I would have taken you home. I would not have allowed you to walk into that grievous sin. I would have brought you. Well, talk about the fear of the Lord. I mean, I, I now I I know who He is, and I fear the Lord, and I fear Him. Not His presence. I never fear His presence. I never have to walk in backwards, you know, into the throne room of grace. I can freely go in with skinned up knees, you know, dirt in the crest, the crick of my neck. I can go in there. But man, he might, have to, he might wear me out, and I am afraid of that. We need to recognize who that is. That's all part of humbling ourselves. And the other thing is we need to recognize who we are. We are broad-bought children of the King. And we wander around playing in the mud pies when he's got this glorious beach house for us, sitting on, you know, the pretty part of the Gulf of Mexico, you know. In Texas, they say that that's on the Gulf of Mexico, too. But anybody been to the Texas coast? It's not the same as the Florida coast. And so, anyway. So, the next thing we need to do is we need to seek his love. He says, I gave thanks to your, um, for your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Zephaniah 3.17, and this is such a fun verse. <clears throat> the Lord your God. Can you tell I love the word? I mean, if I said that like every verse that popped up, I love the word. I love the word. Three seven because it, it, there's life and power. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. I believe we should play this in Alzheimer's homes. Why? Because it renews the mind. It renews the mind. Nothing else does. In my devotional this morning, it said that it was Erwin Luther said this. He said the only difference between godliness and worldliness is a renewed mind. Godliness and godliness and worldliness is a renewed mind. And that is the truth. 
The only way the world is going to know that we as Christians are different is because we think so opposite what they think. We think so opposite what they think, which then leads to behavior differences, but we think so opposite what they think. That was all free, too. The Lord your God is in your midst. Thanks. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. The Lord of the universe loves each one of us intimately and personally. He He loves me. I am his most favorite. I am his beloved. And I don't understand how that works because, you know, Anne, you're his beloved and his most favorite. You know, we're all on his refrigerator. And, we're, you know, I think in some ways we're not the kids of the king, we're the grandkids of the king. You know what I'm saying? Except that I get spanked and my grandmother wouldn't have spanked me, you know. But, I mean, we are so loved. And he, re- I mean, he wants, I mean, that's what it says when it says, he rejoices over his gladness. What it talks about that is that he sleeps over us with joy. The God of the universe just sleeps over us with joy. He's so excited and so thrilled about who we are and who, what we mean to him. That we are that way. And we need to seek his love. Man, you in a funk? That gets you out of your funk. Because you sit there and think the Lord of the universe is, re- is exalting over me, is, is rejoicing over me, dancing over me, leaping about in great ways. So we need to seek his love, Zephaniah 3.17. Then we need to recognize that it's intimate. Intimate. For each one of us, it's going to be different, and it's going to be personal. You know, there's only one burning bush experience. And how he chooses to minister in my little blue chair, in my living room, in my quiet time, with my cup of coffee. You know, how, how he speaks to me as we're driving down the road. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I have been so overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord, I had to pull over. The power of God was so great in my life and on me. I couldn't move. And it's that intimate for each one of us and available for us. And I love that. It's available. You know, he doesn't hold back. There's not just a little bit of love and, you know, I mean, it's, it's the muchness of God. When he changed water to wine, I know we're at a Baptist church and, you know, go to the Oscars and ask him what, you know, because he goes, he's at Gateway, get, uh, Crossgates Methodist. So, but anyways, but he turned the water into wine. And it wasn't fruit juice, it was wine. And, um, and he made... 3,500 glasses of wine is how much he created in that split second. You know, people say the earth is 100 million years old, and I'm like, the Bible says it's 6,000 years old. He turned water into wine in like three seconds. I mean, he can turn the earth, you know. So he turned the wine, instantly turned it into wine, fermented, 3,500. They said that probably at the very most, that would be like over the top, if he would have had 500 glasses, would have been like over the top. And he had 3,500 glasses of wine. The muchness of God. He created, in, in, in Genesis 1, it says he created the heavens. All the heavens. We don't even know all the heavens. Milky Way, or I mean, stars. We just can't even count how many. The heavens. And the earth. I mean, he could have just like given us a sun and a few stars and we would have been happy. But no, he said he wanted to see all the heavens. The muchness of God, so his love is not limited. And if you think God doesn't love you enough, just tell him. He'll love you more. He'll bought at a price. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for you. And he wants to provide that love for you. And just tell him, Lord, I don't feel very loved today. Okay, I'll love you some more. He's not going to get mad. You know, he, he knows we are so needy, you know. 
And he's the only one that can fix our need. And so we can go to him and say, I need you today. I really need a chocolate sundae, but I think that would be sin. So will you just fill me with like a chocolate sundae would fill me? <laughs> okay, baby. I'm all about that. All right, so seek his love. Um, another thing we need to do to get out of funk is remember his faithfulness throughout the, the Old Testament. Again and again and again and again and again. Set up a monument. Set up a monument. Set up a monument. Why? Do you think God needed to be reminded? No, we need to remind ourselves. We need to remind ourselves. You know, I talked about when the priest and Joshua crossed over on dry ground. And the priest had, um, Joshua had the priest pick up 12 stones. Right from the dead center of the, of the you know, the sea. To create a monument. Why? So that when your kids walk past this place, you can stop and say, this is what the Lord did for us at this point here. And so we need to remember his faithfulness. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. So in the midst of our funk, nine times out of ten, excuse me, when we are in the midst of our funk, we do not have much faith at all. I mean, I don't even know if I have a mustard seed. Lots of times when I get in a really deep funk. But you know what? He's still faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never gets in a funk. He's okay. He never has a bad day. He never has an off day. He never says, oh, damn, I should have taken care of that. You know, he never has that. He's got it handled. We need to remember his faithfulness in our life. I can't begin to tell you how important it is to journal. I mean, I'm not a writer. I don't care. I don't want people to know what it is. Burn it as soon as you write it. I, my scribble, I can't even read my writing half the time at the end of it. I mean, let me tell you a quick story. When I came to Christ, I was journaling. The reason I journal most of the time is because I get so distracted, it's the only way I can really pray when I'm by myself. When it's just me, it's the only way I can pray. Otherwise, I'm praying out loud, and the next thing I know, I'm, you know, solving the world's problems. And, like, you know, I'm not asking him how to do it. You know, I'm just solving the problems on my own. And I wrote my journal 15, when I first came to Christ 15 years ago. I needed, I moved to, was getting out of this, you know, unhealthy thing and moving out on my own. I had, didn't have two pennies to rub together, and, um, and that was back when pennies could buy something, but, and, um, I had, um, I needed an iron. Now I just buy clothes that don't need to be ironed, but back then I actually had clothes that needed to be ironed. I needed an iron. I wrote on my journal, I said, Lord, I need an iron. And the next day, my friends came to visit at my house. I didn't tell anybody. Friends came and visited, and they gave me an iron as an as a open house gift. Well, here's the kicker. I forgot I asked for the iron. So later on, a month, two months, whenever later, I'm reading my journal, and it says, you know, I asked for an iron. The next day, there it is. I mean, I mean that was 15 years ago. I mean, I can remember his faithfulness, and God's going to take care of an iron for me. What other things is he going to take care of? So we've got to remember in our life. Number two, we've got to remember in the lives of our friends. <coughs> the lives of our friends. You know, you've got to have a body of believers. Let us not forsake the assembling of, of the body. Don't quit hanging out. Let me tell you, if you start distancing yourself from fellow believers, I can tell you immediately you're getting into trouble. You're not just in a funk. You're getting into trouble. You start pushing away the body of Christ, and you quit going to church, quit going to Sunday school. I mean, can we talk about it in first place? If you quit showing up for first place meetings, is it because you're just really good and doing fine? No. I mean, because we're distancing ourselves, and we're, we're, we're struggling, we're, we're having problems, so we need to pull in, and we need to have those people that are in our lives that we can call and, and help us walk through these issues of life. 
Help us through on the other side. Help that we can be, that we can confess some of those things that we think, if we confess this, then how would they ever continue to love us and like us? And then, if we don't ever confess it, then we never understand unconditional love from people around us, so then we never trust. See how that all kind of plays out? So then we never tell, so then we just stay in our stuff, and then we go create new friends, you know, or facades. You know, we think, you think you're in, but are you really in? You know, I'm, be, I'm a... I'm a I'm a Facebook junkie, and I'm addicted to social networking, and I have it on my phone, and all that. I mean, I, I admit it, okay? I'm, I'm addicted to coffee, too, and that's, but that's another issue. But, you know, but I talk about, can we talk about superficial relationships? And people say, oh, I got a friendship on Facebook, and, you know. So, anyways, that's our work culture is today. But we've got to get into the lives of our friends. And number one, you've got, you got to know the lives of Bible characters. You have got to know the scriptures. Every single thing, you, every problem you have, I challenge you. You got a problem? I'll find, you, I'll find you a scripture for it. If I don't know it already, I'll find one for you. It, whatever. There's a scripture in here for it that will encourage you, that will bless you, that will give you direction. Our devotional um, that Carol gave us this week, I thought it was tremendous. It said, or gave it to us for Christmas, and, and I was reading it this week, and it said, don't ask for direction from the Lord, ask for wisdom. Because if you get direction, he'll give you direction. But if you ask for wisdom, you'll have the mind of Christ, and he'll know the direction. And it just really totally changed how I, how I think about things. But we've got to know the Word, and we've got to know the Bible, and we've got to know characters in the Bible, because how he acted in Genesis is the same as how he acted in Leviticus, and the same as how he's going to act in, in, in Jeremiah, and how he acted in Matthew, and how he acted in Acts, and how he acted in... You know, they say, well, the God of the Old Testament, you know, he was mean. Has anybody read just the red in your Bible? You know, Jesus' words, you know, just the red. Jesus was mean. Put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Let somebody else go bury your dad. I mean, talk about heart. You know, turn it over the table, change it. Or the other side, too, is, you know, if you get slapped on one side of the cheek, turn the other side. They ask you to walk a mile, walk another mile. Jesus was just as hard. We just don't like it. And see, that's what, yeah, I'm going to get into that. Okay, so remember his faithfulness. I was getting ahead of myself. Believe in his name. Um, go ahead and pop all three of these up, Jeff. Um, thank you. It's, he's omnipresent, he's omniscient, and he's omnip- um, uh, omnipotent. So he's all-present, he is all-knowing, and he's all-powerful. And if we need something else, he's that too. If you need, you need wisdom, he's wisdom. He's all around us everywhere. you got issues with children, and they don't live where you are, or you might not even know where they are. You know what? He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's all-present. He is there with that youngin, waiting for those seeds of truth that you guys have planted into their hearts to bear forth when that person's ready. But I love this. This is, this is my, almost my favorite part about what this is. Believe in his name. Let's just, I just got to, and test this, you're going to have to be real, you have to follow with me on this one. So we didn't practice this, but we can do that. Okay. He's Adonai, Jehovah. He's the Lord, our sovereign. And sovereign means he's king over everything. Nothing is impossible for him. Next one. He's El Elyon, the most high God. The most high. He is up high above all everything. He's it. He's the Lord most high. There is nothing underneath him. And if there's anybody underneath you, what do you do? You can control that. You can handle it. You can take care of it. Nothing is too difficult or impossible for him. Because he's Lord El Elaine. No, yeah, that. Go ahead. He's El El Elaine, the everlasting God. He will be for eternal. Guys, these 
these things that we do, these 72.3 years of our lives, or however long the Lord allows us to be here, they are life, momentary afflictions. 72 years is like a pinpoint on eternity. It is nothing. It might be really hard, and in the meantime, it might be a mean time. But He's everlasting. And He's the one that I'm held accountable for. Well, my mama made me eat it. You know, your mama's not going to hold you accountable forever on that. You've got to choose to do that. He's El Shaddai. I love this. I had never seen this the way they translate it. The God who is sufficient for the needs of His people. He's not, and sufficient, he's not saying it's adequate. He's being, it's satisfied. It's complete. It's everything you need. He's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Elohim, the eternal creator. You got something dead in your life? He will create new life. You got a marriage that's dying? Boom. He'll create life. You have no desire or will to walk in truth and righteousness? Bam. He can create it. Is it impossible? Not to God. He's the creator, God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. You got a provision that hasn't been met? Tell him. Tell him. He will provide. Now, this is a kicker. He doesn't always provide the way we like him to provide. But he will provide. And so often or not, he will provide a provision... And I don't like it, and so I, and he's like, well, just go on with your bad self. And so I go over here and try and find provision on my own and make a wreck, and then I have to come back, and shazam, there we are, same provision. But he will provide all that you need. He's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. And what this means is when the, um, when the priest, when, when the Israelites would go into battle, the priest would go first, and they would call, carry a banner, which really, it's not like, like the banner ministry, not like that. It's just a standard. It was just it would be just like him holding up this. You know, and they just held this up, this standard thing. Okay, great, now I can't do They did it much better than that. <laughs> so they just hold a stand there and that's how you would lead and you would lead in and pray. And see those battle you got a battle to fight, you got something going on, he's your standard. The banner that's before you that will lead you into that. Jehovah Rapha, he's the healer. you got sickness in your life, emotional, mental, physically. He'll heal it. He will heal it. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. And I loved it with Carol, remember it was Vicki that said about life and peace. Romans 8, 6 is a great memory verse. He is our peace. you got chaos in your life. He's bring Jesus Christ into that chaos. And you'll have peace. Why? Because he's Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Sekadu. I love it. He's the Lord our righteousness. It's not about me doing it right that makes me righteous. Who needs that? It's about Him being our righteousness. Therefore, I am righteous. has nothing to do with what I do. It really is a lot better when I do what I'm supposed to do. But it doesn't have anything to do with my righteousness. Jehovah Mekedahim. He is our sanctifier. He's the one that's making it. It's not me doing my list of to-dos. And let me tell you, you give me a list of to-dos, I'll get them done. I can make it, I'll make the list and then I'll do the list. I can make it happen. But you know what? He's the one that's going to sanctify me. And I can do that list all day long and my heart can be wrong and I am no more sanctified than I was when I started. But when I let him be my sanctifier, I can be transformed. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is present. He's right here. If you're over here, he's right here. If you're over here, he's right here. And you're in those places where you're lonely and you're scared and you don't think that he's anywhere near you, you're Jehovah Shema. You're right here with me. You're Jehovah Shema. Jehovah Rohat, the Lord our shepherd. 
And that means he takes care of us and all of our needs, but you know what that also means? If I get out of trouble so much and I keep running from him, he will break my legs and carry me on his shoulder until I have such an intimate relationship with the shepherd that I will never want to run again. Do I like the broken leg? No. Do I love the intimacy? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. He's Jehovah Rohi. That is the names of God. I mean, if you're still in a funk, I mean, your wood's wet. I mean... I mean, by now, I mean, by now, you're shouting, you're calling your friends, are you in a funk? I want to get you out of a funk. I can get you out of a funk, you know. And like, you're 12 and all your friends are 8. Number six, meditate on his word. Meditate on his word. Scripture memory, it's great. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So this entire book is... Is God inspired? And what this does, and I love this, it tells you what um, what is right, what is wrong, how to get right, and how to stay right. Right here. That's it. What, if we, that's all we need. What's right, what's wrong, how to get right, and how to stay right. It's all right here in the Word. And Scripture memory is key to that. You've got to memorize Scripture. I love, Cynthia obviously loves the prophets because she kept on testifying from books that, like, you know, I'm like, Lamentations? Where is that, you know? Joel? How do you even spell Joel? So... She obviously has a heart. If she is loving the major and the minor prophets, the girl is in the word. You know, because, like, I'm still quoting from Philippians, you know. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> meditate on the word so you know it. Next one. Oh, Bible on CD and go and put the next one, Bible on DVD. I'm telling you. Like I said, I, I believe so strongly in the word of God. I think they should play it in all in Alzheimer's places. It renews the mind. But it renewed my mind. For a long season of my life, I put it on my 12 CD changer. I put 11 of them. I put the CD, the Word of God, and I would just play it when I got in my car. Now, I didn't like, you know, wasn't listening intently and like taking notes and expecting the Word of God. It's alive and active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Dividing the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. That's why we don't like it. Because it judges the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. It's alive and active. You know, a plant's alive, but it's not active like yeast in our life. So just playing the Word, oftentimes when I leave, I have an iPod that's on a speaker and I've got the Word of God on that. I just play the Word of God. Your kids got night tremors going on. Your grandkids got nightmares at night. Play the CD. Play the Word. Why? John says the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God became this. The the Logos of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And you press that play on that CD player and you tell your kid, Jesus is right here in the room with you. And wherever darkness is, wherever light is, the darkness has to flee. I mean, do we believe it, guys, or not? That's, I mean, that, is that, that's what it says. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science up here. I just am cute saying it, I think, is what it is. And also the Bible on DVD. It's really um, a great way to do it. And finally, here's the thing, and this is the end of 138, and I close my Bible, and we're closing here. Um, at the end of 138, he says, The Lord answered me. On that day I called. You answered me, and my strength of soul, you increased. So when we get out of that funk, he will answer us. I mean, I think if we do these six things, we're going to get a word, and we're going to get an answer. And then our souls can be strengthened, and then we need to get up and go do the next right thing. And not stay in the funk. Because we can be so self-centered and so about me, 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 I'm in a funk, I'm in a funk, and be those life-sucking friends in our other people's lives. And we don't want to be. I don't think you want to be. I don't want to be. We just need to get up and do the next right thing. 
And, and you know what? The next right thing, and it's okay, might be to start at number one and to be, give thanks and to bow down. I mean, it's okay. I spent many years in my sanctification process doing some of the same things. Is it brainwashing? Absolutely. Why? Because i got to renew my mind. i got to wash the old, put a new one on. And I might have to do this all the time, often. And there might just be one thing that you really love doing. For me, it's meditating on the Word. And that might be something I really need to do a lot of. And that's okay. It is okay. Because if you're not moving backwards, you're moving forward, there's no such thing as stagnation. And you're going to eventually get to that point. So, how to get out of a funk? I hope you can do that. Let's pray. Let me pray and bless the food, and then we'll head to where we need to be. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Lord, I ask that you would um, continue to speak to us. Give us some, your mind as we move out from this place. Lord, I ask you to bless the food and the hands that prepared it. In Jesus' name. Amen.